The nafs leading us to sin, where Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, no, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala said in the Quran, "Inna Yusuf Allah said, says, "Verily, my nafs will take me towards sin, except for the one on whom Allah has His mercy." Now, as I said, we when we talk about nafs, we are talking about our desires, because as I said to you earlier. The word nafs itself in Arabic has many meanings. It means soul, it means breath, it means person, and so on and so on. But here we mean in the in the istilahi mana, in the technical meaning of nafs in the Quran and others, we are talking about hawa, we are talking about desires. The thing to understand is, it's not as if every desire is evil, it's not. Uh, if you didn't have desires, you'd be dead. I mean, the desires are essential for life to continue for us to recover from disasters, from personal calamities, uh, for us to progress, for the world to run, desire is required. Without desire, nothing. I mean, if, if I say today my all my desires are zero, then that's another way of describing a state of deep clinical depression. That's what happens when you in when you are in uh, you know in that state of depression. You have no desires, nothing, zero. I don't even want to live. No food, nothing, I don't need anybody, I don't, nothing. So, and is what? Suicide or something, right? So, obviously, desires, when we say don't have desires, that's actually impossible. And secondly, uh, it's not even desirable. But we're saying what kind of desires? Now, usually, when we talk about desires, we talk about or we mean desire for possessions of different kinds, Right? Property, wealth, jewelry, uh, cars, planes, whatnot. It depends from age to age, period to period. There was a time when people had their desire was the number of camels and and, and cattle and whatnot. Uh, today, you might be talking about the kind of cars and what and so forth. Talking about houses, you know, I want to build a big house. Just to put some things in perspective, um, I did. A, I get a lot of fun out of doing this kind of little. Pieces of research which kind of you know put things in perspective. Just think about this. Think about uh, in our context, right? We're talking about somebody who has a big house. So when you say someone has a big house, how big is the house? If you just think about how many how many rooms, what do you think? Uh, how many square feet or square meters is that house? Right? Just give me give me some number, top of the mind number. How many rooms? <laughs> Uh, so an average big house, say in America, average big house, you know, you, you have in Beverly Hills, huh? how many? 8, 10 bedrooms, 15 bedrooms, 20 bedrooms, right? I mean, or rooms, total rooms, count, right? 20 rooms, 30 rooms, what not, right? And uh, square foot or say square feet or, or square meters, how many, what do you think? Uh, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, yeah? Let me give you some numbers here. Buckingham Palace, uh, 
has 775 rooms and is spread over an area of 77,000 square meters, which is 830,000 square feet. <laughs> huh? That's somebody's house, right? When now King Charles III, if he, say, if he says to his driver, maybe he's gone, gone for a drive somewhere, he says, let's go home. What's he say? What's he say? He won't say, let's go to the Buckingham Palace. That will sound silly if he said that, right? He'll say, let's go home. So what's home? Home is 830,000 square feet. <laughs> uh, 70, 700 and 775 rooms. Yeah, and if you think that is impressive, <laughs> let me give you another one. Versailles Palace in France, in, 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 uh, in Paris. Built by, it was started by uh, Louis the Thirteenth and extended by his uh, son Louis the Fourteenth when he installed the court in uh, in 1682. Versailles Palace today has 2,300 2, rooms. Buckingham Palace is 775. Versailles has 2,300 rooms and it is spread over 63,154 square meters. No, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't, no, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't, no, 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 I'm not even joking. It's not, it doesn't include the stables, believe me. This is the actual palace, living space, right? Ah. Redford, which was, again, if Shah Jahan was said, let's go home, what was he saying? He's like, let's go to Redford, right? He wouldn't say Redford. Um, they don't even have an issue of rooms and stuff in it. That, that is in acres. So, it's, <laughs> it, it is 103 hectares, 254 acres. Uh, it has uh, two and a half uh, kilometers of defensive walls and whatnot, whatnot. I was reading history and, you know, as, as you know, history is my favorite subject. Um, when Jahangir took over from his father, Shah Jahan. No, his, his son. So, Jahangir is Shah Jahan's father. So, when Jahangir took over from his father, Akbar. When Jahangir took over, uh, the, his coronation happened in Agra Fort because Agra was the, Delhi was not, not the capital at that time, it was Agra, in Agra Fort. So once he got the throne, the, uh, his treasurer, he came to him, he said, uh, if you like, please come and see the treasury. You know, it's your treasury, so please come and see it. He went down there and the historians say that he found in sacks, Big gunny sacks. Rubies graded by color. Yeah, the Mughals were not great into diamonds. I mean, they, they, today we talk about the Ohinur diamond. For the Mughals, the diamonds were nothing. They were into colored stones. So, the ruby, rubies, emeralds, sapphires, uh, red, green and blue. So, rubies graded by color. So, dark red ruby, light red ruby. Imagine, the number is so large that they have to... Segregated somehow, so they graded by color. He said, as far as the eye could see in the treasury, there were sacks of rubies graded by color. Now, even Jahangir was impressed. This is the, you know, <laughs> he's the emperor. Even he was impressed. So he said to his, uh, he said to his the Khadanchi, he said to his uh, treasurer, he said, all of this is is mine. The man laughed. The man laughed. He said, Jahapana, you know that they used to say. The, Shield of the world. Uh, he said, Jahavana, ye to ek khadana hai. He said, Delhi may be hai, Agra may, uh, uh, Lahore may be hai, Kabul may be hai. <laughs> he 
He said, this is only one of them. He said, we have in Delhi, we have in Lahore, and we also have in Kabul. And various things. Now, reason I'm saying this is, where is all this wealth? What did it get? Huh? No, really, it, 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 this is this is something to think about. Seriously, something to think about. And that's why I always say wealth adds cost, not possessions. Uh, not, possessions add cost, not value. To give you another example, in 2015, in the World Motor Show in, uh, in Sweden, the prime exhibit was a Saab, the Swedish car, which had a, a very highly engineered carburetor. So it was a very, uh, you know, advanced engineering carburetor. This was the prize exhibit in the Motor Show 2015. 2016 Motor Show in Dubai, the prize exhibit was a Volkswagen Touareg with gold rims. Huh? So now think about this. A Swedish father takes his son or daughter to the motor show in Sweden. That child is going to come away f- f- with what in their heart? What is the aspiration? I want to become a great engineer. I want to do some fantastic engineer. All of these are desires. Believe me, these are desires, right? Worldly desires. He's not talking about going to Jannah. He's not saying, I want to go to heaven. No, no, no. Forget heaven. I, I'm talking about here. His worldly desire is what? I want to become a fab, the world's best engineer. I want to, you know, design a car which will, God knows, make coffee or something, right? Same motor show in Dubai, the father takes his son or daughter to the motor show. They come away with what desire? Bling. Right? I want, this car has gold rims. I want a car with, God knows, whole gold body or something. Diamond, diamond studded. So, what are the desires? So, desire for learning, desire for knowledge, desire for creating establishments of goodness that spread goodness. All of, These are all desires and uh, Islam does not prevent that. So, please understand that when we say do not become a slave of desires, we are not saying a general statement, no desire. No, of course not. What kind of desires do we have? And desire for Jannah, Alhamdulillah, every Muslim wants to go to Jannah. This is good. So, but you won't just go there by wanting it. So let's focus on this world. In this world, if we do things which are beneficial, which are value-adding, right? Then Jannah, inshallah, is ours. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give Jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent us in this world to create examples of goodness. Jahangir's son, Shah Jahan, when he was building the Taj Mahal, for example, incidentally, at the time of Shah Jahan, the Mughal Empire in India was was uh, their GDP was 20% of global GDP of the time. So it is one family and literally one man because it was Shaja. I mean, the family was the Mughal, but it was one man. His word was law. I mean, there's whatever he said was, that's it, period, right? One man worth 20% of global GDP. Right? I mean, Elon Musk's money is like loose change in his pocket. When he was building a tomb for his wife across the world, right here in our neck of the woods, in Boston, in Cambridge, was being built what? Harvard College, 
which later became Howard University, right? Same period of time, same years, exact same years, 1634 or something like this. Both buildings exist to this day. One has two inhabitants, both dead, Chaja and his wife. And the other has been spewing out global leaders for 400 years plus, right? And has a, has a, has a trust fund of 30 billion plus. It's <laughs> the largest trust fund of any university and practically for, for of many things. 30 plus, 30 billion plus trust fund of Harvard University. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, my point of saying this is, not, we are not saying this to bad talk Shah Jahan or something, right? But my point is that here, my issue is, is not how much money, it's the issue today we are alive, right? Today we are alive, today we take decisions. At our level, you know, I don't have that money, you don't have that money, but whatever we have, the time we have, the money we have, the opportunity we have, how do we use that? That's the only thing which counts. We read history to get to learn lessons, not to, you know, our problem with history, either we take history and we exalt people and take them to the level of the skies, oh, fantastic, as if they did nothing wrong, or we throw them down into the, into the dumps, but nothing changes with us. Now, that is a terrible way of, it's a, it's a complete waste of, of uh, studying history. History is for us to take lessons from and say, they did what they did in their time, but this is a lesson for me, what am I doing in my time? What are my desires? So when we say don't become a slave to your desire, which we really mean is don't become a slave to negative desires uh, because at the end of the day, whether you have seven rooms in your house or 775 rooms in your house, in the cupboard, in the cupboard there's only one hole in the ground, brother. <laughs> right? It's just one hole in the ground. No matter what, no matter where you come from, it's just one hole in the ground. That's where we are, that's where we are all going. So, what kind of desires do we have? That's what we need to see and say, how am I spending my time and my resources, which includes money is only one of them. I've got so many resources, our influence, our, you know, the, the, the friends and the power and authority, whatever Allah has given us to, in the purview of our authority, how am I spending that in a way which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and which can spread goodness all around us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the tawfiq and enable us to do that in the best possible way and to be pleased with us and never be displeased.